On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Matt Mullinex from Huron. Uh, we talked about you know, how they were able to grow um, in the direct-to-consumer space, how really he was his customer. Um, we talked about product development. Um, they're in quite a special space uh, you know, in skincare, uh, especially on the male side. So there was a lot of... Um, uh, there was a lot of research that had to go into that. So we talked about that. And then we talked about how he's leveraging social channels. Uh, really a great founder story that I think a lot of you will be able to learn from specifically. I learned from it. I feel like I learned from every podcast guest. And Matt was absolutely no exception. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially all right i am here with matt mullinex from huron matt welcome to secrets of scaling your e-commerce brand thanks so much for having me excited for this yeah, totally. I should make it like a prerequisite before I do these interviews that if I talk with somebody for at least five or 10 minutes and then realize that I should start recording, it's going to be a good episode. So this is going to be a good episode, guys. <laughs> I have no doubt yeah. in my mind. <laughs> uh, Matt, tell, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So the co-founder and CEO of Huron. Um, just a quick high level, hopefully not too boring backstory on me. Uh, originally from Ohio in the Midwest, went to school out East, graduated in 2008, pretended to be an investment banker in New York City for a little bit. Turned out going into finance in 2008 wasn't the, the, the greatest of decisions maybe. Um, <laughs> Perfect left, timing. To, yeah, right? right. I was like, oh, this is great. Is this how work is typically? Um, <laughs> After kind of a, a six to seven months stint at Morgan Stanley, I left and went to Bonobos. So it was a super early employee there, which was a really, really cool experience. Spent a few years at Bonobos, ended up moving to Chicago uh, to work on the consumer investing side. So I worked for a lower middle market consumer growth equity firm in Chicago for three years. Cool. And then kind of continued the westward migration to, to grad school in, in San Francisco, uh, which is really where kind of Huron kind of traces its, its, its early days. But Really, my kind of affinity for the for the space is twofold. One, um, when I worked in the investor world, we had looked at a number of kind of traditional beauty brands, um, and then the emergence of brands that were catering to the female audience. And I thought, you know, such cool, amazing brands, packaging, founder stories, reason for being, etc. But yet, I still found myself going to CVS or Walgreens every month to buy what I would buy in the body wash, face wash department. I was like, there's mm clearly a disconnect here. I think secondly, and maybe a little bit more relevant is I was just a kid that grew up with bad skin. So I had spent time okay. with any and every product that you could name. So, you know, plenty of time wandering aisles, sitting at dermatologist offices, et cetera. And when I was out West for grad school, I wandered into, you know, a quote unquote premium skincare store, um, spent way too much money on a face wash, but for whatever reason, that product worked. And I was like, well, I certainly appreciate the output, but 
nothing up to that point really resonated, right? So it was like, mm. that was kind of the light bulb moment for what would inevitably become Huron, which was, could we recreate kind of the efficacy of the performance aspect of these products, but deliver them, market them, price them at a price point that was much more reasonable, relatable to a much broader audience. Um, and that was kind of kind of the early days of how we got started, which was late 2017, just for, for, for context. Um, but to see if we had any traction, we actually built and launched a fake website in 2018, which was super awesome. cool. So we built a bunch of product pages and we ran social media campaigns all across the Midwest to see if we would actually have any traction. Um, and after a few weeks of a pretty successful test, I ended up moving from San Francisco to New York to really sprint at this full time. What did and once Matt, I got what, yep. sorry, sorry, I'm, I just want to interrupt yeah. you for one sec because I, I think that there's something sure. interesting in there. What did a successful test look like? Like, what were you looking for? Were you looking for like a break even yeah, number? Or you, you know, yeah. honestly, I had no idea. Um, you know, and even in investor pitches, much after the fact, people are like, you know, what was your customer acquisition cost or what was your return on ad spend? And for me, it was less of kind of the X's and O's, which is a bit atypical because I'm very much an X's and O's person, but. It was more just a gut instinct, right? You know, is there some port some form of third party validate validation that exists out there that says or suggests that this opportunity would have would have uh, traction? And I think once we saw the number of people that were attempting to check out, the number of people that were writing us, responding via DM, et cetera, I think that was enough of kind of a, a green light to say, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity worth pursuing here. So did you nail your messaging right away? Like, did you kind of know who that, like, were you looking for you 10 years ago? Is, is that the kind of person you were looking for or, or how, yeah, how, did, yeah, how did all of that work? Yeah, really great question. Uh, the short answer is yes. So kind of thinking about what would have resonated with me five to seven years ago, maybe even longer, but also kind of testing out on the clickbait side, like what did this cohort of customers really want from these products? Was it better performing? Was it clean ingredients? Was it organic? Was it vegan? Um, just to was understand price, was price in there too, because you, you talked about that at the beginning, right? So I'm wondering like, yeah. where, where did that fall into, into things? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of some of the, the earlier homework we did before actually launching the website, which was launch a series of surveys, series of surveys, just kind of understand okay. like, which brands do you typically buy from? Which price points are you comfortable paying? Do you buy on Amazon? Do you not buy on Amazon? I mean, just a series of data points that we, that we collected and then said, I think for us, our ceiling on price point would be X. So let's just kind of stay within that ballpark when we run this test and see what happens. And that price point seemed to be, uh, you know, seemed to be attractive from a number of different customers. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause price is one of those things that it, it is very difficult um, to, to really get into somebody's head on, on price exactly. I mean, unless you can split test it right across your site. Um, yeah. yeah. Super, super interesting. I, I got a couple more questions for you. I've sure. got lots of more questions for you, actually, because <laughs> this is very interesting to me. Um, let's let's talk about, you know, when you guys launched. Was this something that was just, like, immediately skyrocketed? Like, did you know, like, hey, you know, this is going to be my thing. Like, I, this is going to be my full-time job. We're going to actually make this into, you know, a real brand. Or, or was it a little bit slower at the beginning? Yeah, it was much more of the former. Um, so just to kind of like bring current where we uh, left off just kind of quickly about the story. So when I eventually moved to New York, I met uh, a gentleman who eventually became my co-founder. His name's also coincidentally Matt. Matt spent a decade or two almost um, developing product for Estee Lauder. So we knew how to make the best formulations, the chemists to work with, the contract manufacturers to work with, the fragrance houses, et cetera. And I feel like that put us at a a decent competitive advantage versus kind of the, the universe at the time. 
Um, and then we spent the broader half of 2018 and the first part of 2019, just doubling down on product and spending time building the brand. So this was a hundred percent of our time and efforts professionally. And we were absolutely all in on this. So, um, you know, when we pushed launch in July of 2019, we were, you know, we were a team that was hundred percent committed to Huron. Where did the money come from? So we had raised a little bit of, of funding, kind of a broader friends angels network um, with a few kind of family offices on the side as well. But, okay. uh, you know, the thought, the thought being that, you know, we, we wanted to raise fewer than, than more um, on, on a dollar's basis and just thinking that we wanted to kind of stay lean and mean, but, you know, we, we did require some capital to get this off the ground. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, just listening to the story, it, it sounds like you guys, especially in the product research side, right? Um, that to me just screams money. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a couple of thoughts I have about, about this so far about your story and things that I really love. Um, first of all, I am just obsessed with strengths, right? Uh, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses. And so for you, just practically finding that person who worked for Estee Lauder for all those years, right? Seems like absolutely essential, right? To, to, to yep. that. And so for, for our audience out there, I just want, I'm hoping that your wheels are kind of spinning and thinking like, man, where am I, you know, not proficient in certain areas and bringing people into your life like that? Because it makes such a difference. You don't have to do this alone, right? You're right. going to be so much more successful with people who, you know, complement your skill set. We, we really believe um, in all of our businesses in, in Clifton Strengths um, and looking at that whole like strengths makeup and, and making sure that we actually have those different strengths on the team and not judging one strength versus another. Um, and so I love that. I absolutely love what, what you're saying with that. Let's talk a little bit more about where you guys have gone from there and, and sort of what is actually working now in 2020. Oh, sorry. We're in 2021, but <laughs> what worked in 2020? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we, we remained a, a small team. It was just Matt and I for the first seven months of the company. Okay. And then we made our first hire, uh, in March of 2020. So almost a year ago. Um, and it's been the three of us ever since. So, you know, the thought was always kind of stay lean and mean, but I think for us, you know, a few things have worked in particular that are kind of more holistic, uh, in scope from kind of a strategy standpoint, I think first is just this exercise in this journey for me, <clears throat> excuse me, has been one where you're just constantly refining and narrowing the scope and focus, right? It's pick out a few things that you feel like you can execute really, really well on, and then double down and triple down on those, and then sprinkle in some opportunistic elements around those things. Mm. I think what I've learned is when people and entrepreneurs, especially kind of tend to get in trouble is you try and tackle way too much, right? You have to be really good at saying respectfully saying no, because yeah. we get bombarded with vendors, with opportunities, with advertising opportunities. And if you were to take on all those, we'd be out of money in three months, right? So you have to be really, really yeah. diligent about the opportunities that you can take on and just super confident that you can execute um, on those, you know, those narrow subset of, 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 uh, of opportunities that you pursue. Yeah, that's great. That's absolutely great. I, I personally, and people who have listened to this podcast, you know, hundred and whatever many episodes probably know, I have a really hard time saying no. So that's a, that's a bit of a, um, a bit of a punch in the gut for me mentally thinking of like, yeah, you know what? You're totally right. The idea I love and what a uh, podcast guest uh, ages ago said this um, to me, it, it's kind of similar to, I forget the, the phrasing that they use, but I think of vertical integration. Um, but instead of vertical integration, just vertical 
thinking within your like your product lines and within what you're it's kind of like that whole idea of like doubling down on what you're good at here so you don't get spread thin this way um and i love that i absolutely love that a lot of people think that they need to go horizontal for stability but i i I, i'm with you i think that really doubling down on absolutely you know who your customer is um the products that you have uh, and working within that space is is super super valuable so let's let's talk marketing we we actually i feel like it's funny this started as a marketing podcast because i i also own and run a marketing agency <laughs> so that was the whole idea of this podcast but what what really um you know eventually got me um you know even more excited was just growing brands and marketing is just one part of that right um but let's talk marketing what what is working uh from a direct response marketing standpoint for you guys right now hey guys do you want the checklist that helped me generate two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of e-commerce sales in 24 hours if so we're giving it away for free at mindfulmarketing.co slash s l c download that today I think, you know, even from the early days of of Huron and thinking about the brand and where we wanted to take it, I think one of the core pieces of infrastructure, core pillar, if you will, is this notion of relatability, right? Like we've been in your shoes. I've been in your shoes. This product line would have resonated with me, you know, five to seven to 10 years ago. And that's kind of who we built Huron for. So kind of understanding who your end consumer is. And then just working really, really hard for that person day in and day out. So what we've done on the on the social front is we've tried to take a bit more of a relatable approach where we show a lot of UGC. We talk a lot about kind awesome. of behind the brand story. Um, and we invite kind of customers and potential customers like to learn more about us versus just maybe showing a really well shot photo of our body wash bottle. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, those aren't those aren't stopping any thumbs on Instagram. So for us, it's like, how do we, you know, how do we lean into our competitive advantage, which is relatability is we just kind of go full open kimono and we talk about who we are and why we exist and what our purpose is. And I think that's been really, really well received thus far. Were you getting inspirations from any other brands? I, I can imagine I, uh, my, my wife and I do this funny exercise every once in a while where we'll, where we'll switch phones and I'll like just scroll through Instagram. Cause I just, I'm like, what are you getting targeted with? Right. And, uh, and yeah. it's just pure beauty all the time right? Like all these beauty brands. Did you get any inspiration from, from those to, to figure out or like, like where, where did your inspiration come from? It was a bit of a leading yeah, question, I, but like. No, sure. No, I mean, it's a good one. I mean, I think we're, we're always um, examining brands and seeing what others are doing and what others are, are doing really, really well. I mean, I, I think there are certain elements that, you know, whether it's the community aspect of Glossier or kind of the customer first mentality that I uh, learned by osmosis at Bonobos, we've kind of infused some of those things into what we're building with Huron. And I think, you know, to some extent, you can certainly pull inspiration from, from other brands. But at the end of the day, you know, we've entered this category. Every entrepreneur has entered some category because they feel like they have some sort of competitive advantage or some sort of point of differentiation. And at the end of the day, like that has to kind of shine true, right? So you yeah. can kind of supplement those efforts with some of these other pieces from other brands. But, you know, to your point around vertical thinking, um, you know, it's important to kind of understand what's happening in the landscape, but also to realize like why you exist as a brand and to kind of stay true to that mantra day in and day out. Yeah, that's great. Matt, what does customer first thinking look like to you on a practical level? Yeah, I think more tactically speaking, you know, we've kind of taken on this persona as a, 
as an older brother, right? So for mm. a lot of guys who have maybe never used face moisturizer before, they'll chat us and be like, hey, what's in this? Why is it so great? Like, how does it compare to X? And for us, like we, we respond to all these tickets as if we were on a group text thread, right? Mm. Um, it's meant to be very relatable. It's meant to be very inviting because, you know, let's face it, like this is kind of a weird topic to talk about. Like if you have acne, like it's not something you're going to scream from the mountaintops and be super excited to chat about to someone who you have no idea who's responding to on the other end, right? Yeah. So we want to make that experience as inviting, as welcoming as possible. Um, and I think we try to infuse that through customer service, through email, through SMS efforts um, in kind of a non-transactional way to say like, mm -hmm. hey, we're here and we're not just pushing you product all the time, but this is really about how can we help you help yourself? And I think that kind of positioning has really been um, well-received thus far uh, in our first 17, 18 months of this journey. That's great. I love it. I, I really feel like the, the human to human interaction actually matters, right? Like those those interactions really matter. I had um, uh, Tyler Sullivan Sully from uh, Bomb Tech Golf on a little while ago. And he was talking about, he also runs a, an email agency, a Clavio agency. And he was talking about some of the emails that do the absolute best are like for their Fine golf text. brand. What, what's that? Oh, I was, yeah, I was yeah. sorry. I was putting it's, words in your mouth. Go for it. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. It's a plain text email that asks a question. So they, so one a great example that he had on the golf side is just like, Hey, what's your, what was your best round this year? And he'll get like thousands of responses. If somebody yeah. asked me what my best round was, oh man, I'd be like, I'd lie, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like at least three or four strokes better than it was. <laughs> but I would 100% respond. So I love um, that, that whole idea of actually figuring out like, instead of just blasting out this message to people, actually listening to them. Um, to me, I just feel like you guys are just positioned um, to, to skyrocket. This is, this is amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of contextualize what some of those things, you know, mean in addition to CX, um, you know, the world is certainly, the pendulum is swinging much more in the way of automation, right? Like you can send out a plain text email, you can send on an SMS to thousands of people at a time, but like, where's the intersection of what some brands can't do and what other brands won't do. And like, let's live right at that intersection. Right. So mm. for us, we wrote, 750 handwritten Christmas cards, holiday cards this past year, awesome. right? And could we have that automated for 30 cents a piece? Of course. But I want the imperfection of like having to squeeze in the last few letters before you run into the end of the card, right? Just to show that human touch to say that we actually care. Um, are those things scalable? Absolutely not. But at a stage where we're at right now, like those are things that we will absolutely double down on because I think that matters over time. And if we're able to create this wildly loyal customer base for the first five, 10, 15, 25,000 customers, like that's going to pay dividends as we grow and scale. Yeah. So yeah. we really try and identify and lean into those opportunities. You know what I love about these non-scalable uh, things that, that, you know, we, we are able to do using, you know, human time and like, like writing those is that from a, from a marketing standpoint, they're actually, they have massive scale, right? Nobody's talking about the great email campaign that somebody sent out. Like, Oh, I love their email. Wow. Hey, let's all talk about their email. But man, are people ever going to talk about those cards that they know are handwritten because of the, the imperfections throughout that, right? So much totally. more uh, of a, of an actual social scale comparatively to just regular old marketing. Um, it's, yeah. it's great. 
And I think, I think email and baseball are alike in the sense that you can fail seven of 10 times and still be really good at what you do, right? If you have a 30% open rate on email, that's really good. If you're batting 300 as a career lifetime cleanup hitter, that's really good. <laughs> that means 70% of people aren't seeing your emails. Totally. 100% of people are reading their e- are reading their mail or at least receiving it, right? Yeah. So just thinking about way, different ways where you can get in front of the customer. Yeah, totally. Uh, interesting. I was looking at an acquisition this week and uh, looking through their email and they have a massive, like, I mean, I mean massive to me, I think like 100,000 person list and their, um, uh, their open rate is uh, 8%. And I'm like, 8%? Eight? I've never seen, like, we like because in all of our brands, we just destroy everybody who's on that list who's not opening, right? Um, yep. And, and I'm like, so if we just doubled it to 16% and it's there, it's the biggest driver for this, for this potential acquisition of revenue. Like, so if I double that, I essentially can double the revenue. Is that what I'm telling myself here? Like uh, it's, it's incredible what you can do once you start to think about these different levers that, that, that you can pull in, especially, I love the stage of business that you guys are in. Um, To me, that's just so exciting. Um, You know, in this like high, high growth um, stage, it's, it's awesome. I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody uh, on this podcast, Matt. Uh, what is your secret to scaling? Oh, I, I wish there was a, a secret sauce. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think one of the things that we chatted about earlier that I just firmly believe in is this is really an exercise of politely saying no, politely saying no, and just constantly refining the scope. Whereas like, our mantra for 2021 is sprint, don't run, not run, don't walk, but sprint, don't run. So like we're a hundred miles an hour, but we're constantly understanding what we're running towards. And here are the three objectives that we have over Q1. And we're going to check all of those boxes. And I think there's so much noise throughout the day that our ability to really separate ourselves from the pack is going to be attributable to that focus. Um, I also think for us, it's just understanding who we're working for right? We're working for customers and providing product to customers that were like me five to 10 years ago. So what can we do to be different? What can we do to provide a better product? What can we do to provide better service? So just understanding who that North star is and thinking about how you can roll out the red carpet um, to that customer day in and day out. Uh, You know, it sounds corny and cliche, but I just firmly believe that that um, over time will put you on the right path. Hmm. I love that. That's great. All right. We're going to move on to our lightning round, Matt. Uh, I know you prepared and, and I sent you the wrong questions on purpose. Okay. So just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> uh, all right. So what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Good question. Um, I'm kind of old school in the sense that I write everything down. So my notebook like stays with me all the time. I don't yep. do the Mondays of the world or the Trello's like I literally have to physically write things down. Um, although I will stay just kind of like on a holistic lifestyle wellness piece. Um, I recently got a whoop. I don't know if you've ever messed around with whoop. No, um, what is that? Just in terms of like, it's like a wearable. Um, okay. Just yeah, in yeah. terms of like tracking like sleep habits and strain. And it's just really interesting to quantify some of those things. So it's probably tangential to your question, but I'm obsessed with this thing. No, that's great. Those are both good, good answers. I, I have my handy notebook here. There you go. Uh, so, but I'm also a Monday guy. So and Got they it. are a sponsor of the podcast. No, just kidding. I wish that they were. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. That's great. I love that. I love that. I mean, I'm actually going to look into that after because uh, I really believe in, in measurables, right? Like it, yep. you can't really change something you can't measure. And that's why I love 
wearable technology and yeah, it's great. Great stuff. Um, favorite podcast or book? Or book is kind of a no brainer. Um, for me, it's the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. I'm not sure if you've had yeah. anyone kind of reference that. I'm sure you've had plenty of people, but I think for me, just the aspect of social psychology and consumer psychology is just really, really interesting and in thinking about, you know, how that applies to here on our biggest obstacles, our biggest opportunity, right? Which is effectuating consumer behavior change. So what do we need to do to get in front of our audience to say, here's what you're accustomed to. Historically, body wash is a very much a routine, commoditized, driven purchase. How do we intercept that habit loop and how do we create a reason for change? Um, so I think that book just talked about so many, you know, case studies and things like that, that that's always been top of my list. That's great. That's, that's awesome. It's funny. Cause I, I've actually never read that book, um, with that lens before I've read that and atomic habits, uh, from yep. the just like self, self-help sort of like, uh, love the idea of like habit stacking, right. Uh, one yep. on the other, um, love all that Q kind of routine stuff, reward. Like there's a lot of similar concepts kind of shared between both of those books that you know, I think are wildly applicable to, well, to what I, businesses like ours are doing. Yeah, I think I think it's James Clear that wrote Atomic mm-hmm. Habits. Um, I think he based most of his book off of uh, off of Charles Duhigg's book. So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, it's just great stuff. I love uh, if anybody out there has not read either of those books, like mu- they're just must reads um, yeah. to be effective uh, in in this world, in my opinion. Um, yeah, would agree. Yeah, and notice I didn't say successful, just effective. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awesome. And last question is, if you could sit down with anybody for an hour, uh, in person, we'll say, even though, you know, we're in the midst of COVID, uh, you know, have a beer, wine, coffee, tea, uh, whatever you like mm. with them. Uh, they have to be alive. Uh, who would it be? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, this is probably a corny answer, but I would say Michael Jordan. Like, definitely favorite. Oh, I've never had Michael Jordan. Up. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you grew up in Chicago, you were saying too, right? Grew up in or no, Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah, I lived in Chicago for a number of years and he just strikes me as someone that is just like wildly competitive and I just love that element of him, but yet obviously like a very important team player. Um, I don't know if you watched the last dance, but like I was, that was really the highlight of my week every week. Um, so just understanding and digging in on just kind of like his tactics around team building around the competitive element, um, I think would just be super, super fascinating. I love it. That's a great answer. That's awesome. Matt, thanks so much for being on, for taking time out of your day. Um, I, I know like, you know, we're all super busy. So I really appreciate it. when people come onto this podcast. I, I genuinely appreciate the time. Uh, I don't take it for granted. So thanks so much. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're at use here on, on all of the socials. And then, you know, I, I firmly believe in the concept of paying it forward. I've sent a bazillion cold emails. So I'm also just mad at use here on.com on email. If anyone has any questions or wants to chat about stuff, um, you know, happy to engage via email as well. Awesome. LinkedIn too. LinkedIn. Are you... Yep. Just Matt Mullinex. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Matt, thanks again so much for your time. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So 
If you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.